You're listening to Modded. In today's episode, we're changing it up from the usual routine of having a guest interview, and we are going to do a special Stance Nation Texas recap. Yesterday was Stance Nation Texas, and my guest today, Ken Murray David, are still, like him and I are still feeling the effects of this long, long, exhausting weekend. And for people that are not familiar with uh, going to a show or doing show prep, the days before, uh, even the weeks before, just spent getting your car together, doing last minute finishing touches. But as the weekend gets closer and closer, you seem to be doing a lot more uh, like local events, pre-meets, getting together with friends and helping them with their cars. So it ends up just being a weekend full of working on your car, meeting up with friends, going this place and that. But David and I both had a lot of issues to just be able to make it to the yeah. show. So Dave, what happened with your wheels? Um, well, what had happened was um, I wasn't planning on showing until I had my wheels to a state where I thought it was presentable. And the biggest thing was I was waiting on a replacement barrel for my outer lips. Um, because one of them, uh, I had a mishap and I hit a curb with it and it bent slightly. And there was another one that was dull because it had been refinished before and the powder clear that was on it just never matched the original anodized clear that work had. So long story short, uh, it took me way too long to get those lips. And by the time they got in, I thought I would be able to have them in time, but the shop that I brought it to to um, rebarrel it Basically, they stripped the nuts um, that you use on the three-piece wheels, and I could not find them anywhere locally in time for the show. So basically, I had a car that was on jack stands, had to be at the show that weekend, and I was like, I am not going to make the show. And you're a stickler for details, sometimes more so than I am, because I thought it was ridiculous for one of the wheels, one of the lips, because... I could tell when you pointed it out to me that the clear coat was a little bit more dull, dull and it's a special process from work wheels that's not the same as any other clear coat that we would be getting here in the States. And I was like, okay, I see it. It's still not that big a deal to me, but I can understand where you want to get it replaced. And then you are not one to ever show up with curb wheels or bent wheels to any show. So I could, yeah, I get that. It's a but, big thing for me. Yeah. And it sucks because I, I went to the shop to go try to, repair my own wheels for a separate separate reason. Not my wheels, but my tires. And I could see that there was bending on the inner on the inner barrel and stuff that you don't know. Yeah, like you something don't know. I did not expect. Yeah. So um yeah, I mean, knowing me, uh I drive my car a lot. I don't just keep it in the garage because I actually genuinely enjoy driving. And unfortunately, you know, you hit potholes here and there and they're not actually like obviously visible bends um they're like they just kind of change the shape of your wheel over time and i had a suspicion that maybe something was going on because i had you know when you're driving at a certain speed you'll feel almost like a little wobble but my feeling was that maybe that was just when i curbed that one wheel and that slight bend is causing that or my tires were so worn out that maybe the tire was bubbling on one spot or something like that and it was causing this imbalance um, but come to figure out that also there was an inner barrel bend that was just not easy to see unless you had it on a wheel balancer and you could see it. Um, 
but yeah, long story short, that wasn't ready. And so I had at that point, I had kind of accepted like it's the car's not going to the show. I'm just I remember not showing. you messaged me late at night. I was like, it's was not like, happening. It's over. I'll, I'll go to the Don't show, care, but whatever. Yeah. I'm not competing because my car is not in a state that I'm happy to compete in. But I got a lot of people saying, no, we want you to show. Um, and like my team obviously was all like, yeah, we wanted you to show what, what we've been waiting to show together for so long. Why, do you, why don't you want to show? I know you wanted me to show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing was Elvis Skender, who is um, the showrunner of um, Stance Nation. And also he runs, he's the one that created it and founded it. He was like, no, we want you, I want you to show. And you better go and find someone that has a set of wheels that it just work. And I was like, the chances of me finding something that will fit my wide body the way I want it to and clear everything is very low. Yeah, there are not that many guys, to be honest, that run a 5x114 wide wheel that isn't a staggered setup. Because there yeah. are a couple of wide body Z's and things like that here yeah. in Houston, but they're all staggered. It's just not going to fit the body of your car yeah. the same. Most way. of the time, the rear will be way more aggressive than the front because the front you don't need as aggressive of wheels. Um, so I basically said, okay, all these people really want me to show. I'll just post on Facebook really quick and I'll just be like, does anyone have any wheels that I could borrow? And for me, it's like the likelihood of someone that acts like letting me borrow their wheels is like low because I'm like, well, most of them have them on their car already and most of them are going to the show. Or it's a daily driver and there's just no yeah, way to... There's no way they can yeah. just lend me the wheels. And the other factor is like, oh, the likelihood of someone letting me just borrow a $3,000 set of wheels that can trust me with them kind of thing. Um, but luckily, I had one friend out there, unfortunately... His um, Hyundai Genesis uh, was rear-ended the week prior, um, and it was completely total. There's no way you can recover that car. Front-end smashed, rear-end smashed. Like, every panel except the roof was damaged with that. Um, His wheels were fine, and he said, Hey, I got a set of wheels sitting in my garage. I can't put them on anything. You want to borrow them? Um, And I said, Well, what specs are they? And he's, he's like... Oh, well, they're 19 by 9.5 in, uh, in the front and 10.5 in the rear. I was like, okay, this is a stagger setup. And I kind of ran the specs and just kind of calculated it out really quick to see, like, how much poke it would have. It had about, like, maybe 10 to 15 millimeters less on both the front and the rear. And at first I was like, oh, that's not going to work. And then my buddy Sonny, he was like, 10 millimeters, no one's really going to notice 10 millimeters. In worst case scenario, you get an alignment, you can just poke it out a little more, get less camber in there. So I said, well, well, I might as well go over and take a look at it. So we ended up going over to his house, picking up the wheels. And when we came back, me and Sonny were just trying to fit the wheels just to see how it worked. And so we wanted to put the rears, um, the 10 and a halfs in the rear, just to see, like, because that probably would look better. Um, but it ended up having an issue because the ten and a half in the rear was um, so far inset that it was like touching my bag, and so we were like, "Oh no, that doesn't work." So we ended up flipping them around so the ten and a half was in the front and the nine and a half was in the rear, and there was barely enough clearance. But the issue was in the front, the ten and a half like barely f- 
like didn't even they touched my caliper so we needed to ask my friend michael to get three millimeter spacers and then we got we slapped them on all four corners and it just barely and you saw like mm-hmm. it barely cleared that break i mean like if there was serious thermal growth coming from an engineering perspective like if there was thermal growth on either the caliper or either the wheel you would hear some grinding Luckily, oh, yeah. it wasn't so bad because i mean it was a <laughs> it was hair close. a hair that could fit in there <laughs> Uh, one thing that we could talk about real quick is that um, back before I started to get new wheels and tires, taking into account whether or not I would hit my strut or if I would rub when I would turn, like that all was completely new to me. And I think some people don't don't realize, okay, you can throw a wheel on your car that's your bolt pattern and it's a similar width enough to your OEM. But what you don't realize is if you go a little bit wider or if you change your offset, you might stick out too far past the fender to a style that's maybe not to your liking. Or the worst case scenario is that you're too far inset and you're actually rubbing on your strut or rubbing on your bag and you don't even realize it. And it has caused issues for guys in the past where they've, uh, they've rubbed through, rubbed through their airbag and it's left them stranded on the side of the road because they just, they just didn't take into account how far of an adjustment they would need to make or how far that inset was. And like you said, for you, especially uh, clearing brakes, and yeah. it like Brembo's are notorious for being super big and being difficult to clear. But luckily, Japanese wheel companies are really good. Like Rays and Work will have this type laid this types laid out, and will specify in their catalogs the the Brembo's that they clear, including down to the model of car. So like if you're if you have an R34 or if you have a Z, like they'll tell mm-hmm. you it clears the Brembo's that are on this car. Right. Part of the reason why the bike clearance was an issue was because I had basically put the rear in the front. And obviously the rear brakes are much smaller than the front. Um, but yeah, what you were saying, I think a lot of people, there's there's really three major things you have to consider with three brake clearance. You have to consider the inside strut, the uh, outside fender, and the brake. Um, most of the time, if you don't have a big brake hit, brakes don't really matter. It's it's the disc type could be anything and Mm -hmm. you usually go for the deepest one um but when you when you get these wheels you have to consider all of them because i think when people say will these will these wheels fit they think about only the outside fender because they think that's what it's all about but come to think you're going to just you can't even move because you're just touching the strut or or you just barely rub it and then you know pop bag side of this road or brakes grinding on the brakes and then you damage the wheel and you damage mm-hmm. your brakes um so it's important to consider all those things when you buy wheels um but that's kind of getting sidetracked um but uh long story short we got the wheels on they are okay condition <laughs> they were not they were not they, okay they were rough they were they were pretty rough it was like someone took a cheese grater to those lips <laughs> it was bad uh, so, so Lamb had told me he had bought those car, those wheels um, curbed already. One of them was really bad. The other four, the other three, sorry, um, were pretty minor, but um, but you could tell. So I tried to fix one of them, but it came to the point where it was we were taking out so much metal. I was like, I'm just gonna polish it and just smoothen it out a little bit and leave it the way it is. So at least when you touch it, it doesn't like scratch you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were also hammering it out because it was slightly bent. There were slight bends in it, so <laughs> in a kind of a ghetto fashion, 
me and Sonny were just taking a socket and kind of hammering some parts back so it didn't look as wavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one the, thing too, uh, I was gonna mention like this was all really really close to the show. Like Thursday, yeah. Thursday you put on those wheels. Yeah. So like uh, so the show was on Sunday. Uh, I realized I wasn't going to get the wheels back on Thursday, so I posted on Thursday, and then that night I picked up another set of wheels. We fitted it, and then I had to burn off half a tank of gas because I couldn't drive my car for the longest time, and you need to have a quarter tank before the show. And so I burned off half a tank of gas on Friday, and then Saturday was all prep of cleaning the car, mm-hmm. trying to fix the wheels, doing all that stuff. Oh, and you and I decided to go to Cars and Coffee yeah, on Saturday because it's a great idea. And, and I slept like degree weather four or like, five hours that night, yeah. completely exhausted because I was up Friday putting in some interior pieces that needed to get replaced. Yeah, the stuff we put us we put ourselves through. That was a terrible <laughs> idea too. I wasn't even going to go and it ended up being like 6.30. You told me that you were about to roll out and I was like, I'm in bed. No, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I was, I was just too excited because I was like, this is going to be the first time I actually get to pop my hood out of me mm-hmm. and have something to show and but it was oh man it was a tiring weekend yeah. so, so for people who aren't following um david on instagram he just got done recently putting in the toyota arion supercharged yep. camry uh, engine in his car a v6 supercharged basically the same setup as a lotus avora s um there's only 537 of them in the world but that got put into a toyota camry i think it's the I'm pretty sure someone's done it in Australia, but I don't think anyone's done it in the U.S. yet. So. The only one dumb enough to put it in. Yeah, I'm the only one America. crazy enough because no one's gonna spend that kind of money on a camera. Of course. So, but um, but yeah. Uh, Amazing, nonetheless. Uh, yeah. To say it, it feels I mean, great. It yeah, feels great. To say so that you're like I'm the only one in America. That's yeah. an amazing kind of thing. Uh, but we we I made it to the show. Um, I was honored to receive uh, first place Toyota at the show. Um. So I'm glad that people received the car well. I mean, me personally, I didn't feel the car was at the best show quality because of the wheels, but also I, I didn't feel like I had enough time to like get it to the point where I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely good enough to show, and I know Elvis was really glad that I brought it out. Um, but I know you had a mishap too. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of been an ongoing thing. But It yeah. has. It has. My tire started leaking a little bit. And uh, uh, I found that there was like some nail or something way back when. And I went to a shop to have them try to patch it. And for some reason that tire was still leaking. I went back and I think they told me that that the same tire that the little tread indicator somehow got caught or something along those lines when they were putting the tire back on and that's where air was leaking from. And I was like, I don't, that's, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. So why the tire is leaking? So I dropped it off. They they got it back to me, no charge or whatever. So I was like, okay, fine. And then as time goes on, I noticed that that tire started leaking again and it got progressively worse. So I, I came over to your place mm-hmm. um, because this shop just like does not have someone at site that can do these repairs. You have to book an appointment and I'm constantly working. And a lot of them won't, won't even do it at yeah. all because it's kind of like any tire repair to mm-hmm. some of these shops is just a liability. And- it is. And they don't like doing redoing someone else's work if it doesn't, if it doesn't end up stopping the leak. So I came over to your place and we tried to redo the plug twice, but both times we still saw it leaking. Yeah. The second time we put a lot of rubber cement mm-hmm. in there and we tried to like, 
get the thickest piece into mm-hmm. there and like it, it just whatever the shop did they had reamed it because uh for those of you unfamiliar when you plug a tire you have to basically ream it out to clean up off the surface and then put a plug in that basically expands around it and seals it um but i guess the shop that had repaired it previously they had reamed it too much or because the, the hole is so big that it couldn't the rubber couldn't seal around that um anymore so now we had thought that that was the issue <laughs> yeah but uh because uh, we were basically spraying it with the soapy water and stuff like that and you could see little bubbles but i didn't think it would be that fast of a leak that you were getting after that yeah afterwards it ended up being that i had to refill it every morning if i was going to take the car out on the weekend to do anything and uh i had to because of that leak i actually had to go buy one of those little mini compressors that gets powered off your cigarette lighter which is a good investment for anybody that oh yeah best like thing just get. just get it it's it'll save you it'll save some poor motors on the side of the road a friend or anything like that it's a good investment to just have that to get you by until you get a new tire or something like that so i was like well we're gonna have to patch this because the plug just isn't working and I found some time to go over to a friend's shop. Donnie really helped me out. And uh, he's like, all right, I'll take care of it in the morning while I'm at work. So I brought it over and I'm just waiting in my truck. And he tells me, hey man, like this is this is worse than a, a patch. Like you need to see this. He sends me a picture with the tires I found mounted on. And he says, there's a chunk missing from your from your tire bead. And okay. it's not holding air anymore. So like they had, he had partially removed it. I was like, look, I, there's no, point of me trying to redo this like it's not going to hold air anymore which explains like why it was leaking so fast yeah. it's leaking overnight and not only that it's a risk of a blowout at any moment that little piece of glue or whatever they put in there to like just temporarily seal mm-hmm. it could have just popped out so what he tells me is that 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 stuff doesn't occur on its own like in the process of installing it the shop there well there had only been one shop that had ever touched my wheels and tires period since i got those tires and somehow in the process of transferring it over from one set of wheels from my old works to my new rays or from fixing that leak, a chunk of that bead had been removed. And it looked like someone had tried to repair it because Donnie pointed out that there was some glue residue, some shiny stuff on there. And it looked like someone was trying to cover up a mistake that they made and just hadn't made me aware of it. So he tells me the news I didn't want to hear that you have to get a whole new tire. And your tires aren't cheap. No, 295 tires are hard to come by. And when you find them, a good quality tire ends up being over $300. So I was out $340 for one new tire, which really sucks to spend right before the show, considering like, especially if you wanted to spend it somewhere else. Maybe a day or two before the show. Yeah, a day or two. And I needed it like, thinking that tire rack has a facility right in Shreveport, like four hours away. And that yeah, they were able was to like, deliver. I don't even know if you're going to get the tire yeah, in time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and it was the 4th of July holiday, which meant like everything was shut down. So they weren't going to be able to deliver yeah. on Wednesday either way. So I got it uh, Thursday, end of day. Uh, got it mounted uh, over at Sobs. No issues. That's when I went to go check on your wheel. Yep. Sobs. Yeah. That's great. But then that's all the problem. It, but it still left me with the issue that the shop, the technician at this shop, had damaged my tire, which I tried tried to cover it up and hadn't told me about it, and it put yeah, it I mean, put me at risk. That's a huge liability. It is, yeah, yeah, because you could you could have just not only gotten blown out, but completely wrecked the entire car. Mm-hmm. So, so I told I I gave them a call because I I knew that I wasn't gonna get reimbursed. It had been so much time since I had that tire 
replaced. I knew I wasn't going to get reimbursed, and I just accepted it. Told them, hey, I know that there's something that you, that we can really do right now, but I just want to let you know that whatever technician you had or whoever was working on this this tire must have damaged it. it that that's the only possible uh, possible event, like the only possibility that existed was that it got damaged during the process of transferring over the tires or fixing this leak. Because, mm -hmm. like I said. No one else has laid hands on those wheels and tires because I thought that this shop could be trusted that they did a good job. They're known for working on really high-class vehicles, so I figured this isn't a big deal for them. It's going to go just fine. Right. But it goes it goes back to something that we touched on in another, on some other episodes where just because uh, a shop looks nice, new, fancy, has really crazy cars out of front doesn't mean that they're always going to give yeah. give you the best quality Don't of buy service into all the hype if yeah there is, hype. There, is. There, there there definitely yeah. is with chops double but. check the quality of the work and everything like that mm -hmm. so Especially it got customers that's that's where you that's where you get the recommendations from the people that have been there yeah that's true talking to your friends yeah. talking to guys especially in the community that uh transfer wheels and tires a lot and uh, small shops have proven time and time and again that they're gonna do um, the best quality of work at a good price with the best service because mm -hmm. they're going to want you to come back for yeah. sure but that got me back on the road um and then we came i came over to your place saturday to do a ton of interior work and a ton of engine work because of course we know if anybody knows thomas he expects a uh, yep. super clean car super clean engine bay he will thomas run and I, yeah. thomas and I will run his finger on your wheel to make sure that they're that it's clean he better he not is, see anything come up i would say he is probably one of the most well-respected judges in the import world easily and he's seen as one of the most meticulous not only just because he's um one week fest and all these other shows before but because he's also comes from a very diverse background like he's into hot rodding and stuff like that um so yeah like one of the biggest things his biggest pet peeves is just anything that i can touch it better be clean like white glove test it could be inside of your wheel uh inside of your engine bay gas cap door mm. jams whatever mm. you name it and so like i used to not really care about that kind of stuff until basically thomas said to me once is like hey if you want to be a show car you got to treat your car like it's a show car and that means you need to pride yourself in having a clean car mm -hmm. and not just the outside of what you can see but even the stuff that you can't see um maybe only you'll see it because you're the only one getting it out of the car but you know um keep it clean and you take care of your car and the car will take care of you so it's tough though because both you and i enjoy driving our cars anyone that has both a shore car and a car that they enjoy driving you take a risk whenever you go out on the road and you have to deal with the consequences of driving in all sorts of conditions. And it mm -hmm. has been raining in Houston, like seems like nonstop for the past week. It rained today. Man, it's torrential rain. Yeah, like... bad, bad storms. On top of the fact that we we in the South have the heat to combat with, and maybe it's different, especially on the West Coast, East Coast, up North. But like working in the heat is brutal. And we were when I was over at your place Saturday. I just like passed that on your floor. Like, Man. <laughs> I, well, I felt but I'm dirty. I'm disgusting. I'm not gonna like lay down on your couches. And I just need to cool off because I spent yeah. like at, like hours in hundred degree weather cleaning my interior, and you yeah. spent it repairing your wheels. Yeah, like, I came inside and I just see you just laying on the floor like you're dead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's tough, and people don't people don't realize it, and it's something that's not really talked about 
but like dealing with this heat sometimes, especially working yeah. on your car. Unless you're spoiled and you have your dealership tech that has AC mm-hmm. in his garage or something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, the everyday guy, well, even shops like shops that can't afford AC. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's tough. Yeah. In East Texas heat, it's just crazy. So. so then that gets us to the actual show date. I originally had a roll in time just with um, just with registration of 930. But I got lucky enough to get a, a booth spot with Gilman Subaru. And um, shout out to Alex Fuentes, who works there, a good friend of mine. Street Form is his um, photography Instagram. But he got me a really nice spot, and he got it. He got me set up to a, a, a location where I could post up the car. There wouldn't be too many cars next to it, and it just kind of stood out. So my rolling time was super early, 8 a.m., one of the first cars to go in. But we were in the staging area early in the morning, and you hadn't shown up yet because you were yeah. rolling with your crew. Your rolling time was later. So um, if you're if you're not familiar with the the car shows again, if this isn't something that you normally do, like everyone has a set rolling time that you get uh, you get an email from the the show maybe a week beforehand to let you know, okay, we're expecting your car to come in at this time. Sometimes it's the night before if you're part of a vendor uh, booth or some kind of exhibit or it's that morning throughout the day and they give you enough time after you roll in to get your car ready and prepped uh but mine just happened to be 8 a.m so i'm there waiting in the staging area i i see alex and i just go up and uh, say what's up to him and we're kind of just waiting because um the toyota tires trailer was supposed to be coming in so this is something i think that's been spread uh, on social media and everyone there at the show knew what happened but the Toyo Tires trailer was coming in. We were all waiting for him. And we were all in the assigned staging areas. Like every show has a staging area line. And as it's pulling up, there is a G35, Infinity G35 that's just there, not really in a staging area, not really in a parking area. He was supposed to come in. I don't know if he was just waiting until his rolling time, but I don't think rolling time started for at least another hour for people that weren't vendors. So um, the truck driver is making the turn and it, it's tough because there's already, he's in between cars, the coned off area of the staging area and everybody else. And as he's turning, we just hear a crunch. And we knew right away that like there had been an accident. I go over to the other side cause I was on, I was on the passenger side of the trailer uh, looking at it from there. And we just see like a tire in the trailer next to the G35 just touching. And then it just became a really, really big mess because people started yelling at one another. The guy gets out of his car, the passenger gets out of the car and they're in disbelief because of course, like who knows how long this guy had prepped to get into the show, to get the car ready, the money that he spent. Might've been his first time. Might've been his first time. I hadn't seen that car before, it's possible. He probably spent some good money getting the his uh he had a liberty walk kit i think and he probably spent some good money getting that kit installed and painted and uh, i think he, it might have damaged his wheel some but it was a it was a big mess uh the sheriff came to kind of get it all sorted out because at that point it became i think too much for the show organizers for um, the trailer for everybody to kind of handle it and they needed a, a mediator to kind of separate one another there were people yelling 
uh, I don't know who really was all involved because there's just a mass of people that went over there yeah. and it delayed the, the roll-in process. Um, and to be clear, this is like just be really between the tow truck, the tow, Toyota mm -hmm. Tires truck driver and the G35. Mm -hmm. It's not really related to the show staff. No, definitely not. It just so, it just happened in the parking yeah. lot. So, of course, like accidents happen. Yeah. yeah, you have to deal with it. I don't I can't really speak of, of faults in this because in in one sense, like the the trailer, the trailer driver is responsible. He, he has to know the size of the trailer that he's carrying, aware of his surroundings. And on the other side, you have a driver who isn't in the area that he's supposed to be waiting in. He's in the car as this is happening. He very well could have honked. He very well could have moved, but he didn't, and his car got damaged. So that's just what became of the situation. Um, I think it was handled pretty well because the trailer mm -hmm. rolled in. The guy still showed. And I think I think I actually think he got some sort of recognition award. Thing. He did, yeah. I think the staff uh, recognized him. Uh, you can I don't know if you'd really call it an apology or anything like that. But of it course, just felt really bad about yeah. what happened because you know you invite someone to your show, you want them to mm -hmm. have a good time, and you don't expect something like this to happen. Definitely not. So. And it seems like every every show something like this happens and one of the one of the most dangerous things is just the staging of cars like sometimes people are not mm -hmm. aware and when you get a venue that has multiple cars coming in the spaces are tight turning is yeah. tight you got to think when you're staging these cars you're because uh if you've ever been to a show you see how close they're packed and when you have hundreds of cars just like moving around and stuff like that you have to be really careful it's almost like parallel parking almost but like you have to be very careful of where you're driving your car. Be aware of the cars around you and people around you, too. Yeah. But credits so. to the staff for handling that situation and getting all of us and the rest of us in there safe without issue. Mm -hmm. Despite the rain, too. There's a lot of rain. Yeah, that's another thing is that if you rolled in early, you were free and clear, dry. If you rolled in past, like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, you were soaked. Yeah. Which is just a hassle for everybody involved. You spent all those hours washing your mm -hmm. car. And oh yeah, just soaked again. So yep, and you can't do anything about it. That's just yeah. that's you accept the you, you accept that kind of um, that kind of event because you have to be prepared for that as a show car. You have to have all the extra supplies you need to dry off the car and everything too. So, but it turned out to be really awesome. Uh, it seemed maybe just because I've been doing it for a little bit longer now, but the Houston community is, I think, getting a little bit closer in some ways. It, it felt that show felt like it was a bunch of friends just kind of hanging yeah. out. Um, I think we talked to um, so one of the judges, Nax, he's from Florida. He had a friend that came along and he said the biggest thing he noticed about the Texas community is how close knit we are compared to Florida. And how Florida, he's how he said it was very competitive, mm -hmm. and to the point that almost people don't like each other. But um, Texas, we I think we pride ourselves on not being like that, and that um, we all get along pretty well, even mm -hmm. if we're competing against each other, and we're mm -hmm. happy to see each other, you know, succeed and stuff like that. And we'll clap for people during award ceremonies. Yeah. So, I'd like to think that. Other people would do that in other locations, but um, I can't be sure. I haven't been to all those areas. So. Yeah, and uh, I think we're very good about helping one another across platforms because I think we, we may see a tendency of us to just stick with the people that drive similar vehicles to us or the people mm -hmm. that are just in our team. But 
I mean, I even helped a guy who was having engine problems and his car was just acting funky. So I went and uh, I don't live too far from, uh, from NRG. So I went and I got my jack stand, got my uh, jacks and helped him out because I knew that it'd be a risk if his car wasn't running right and he had to make that drive home, especially if it was pouring like it had been throughout the afternoon, that could have been a really big issue. Mm -hmm. So I think we're very good here in Houston about helping one another out uh for whatever like you said like you had yeah. your buddy lend you his wheels so yeah my buddy's lending me his wheels he has no obligation to lend me his wheels at no. all and he's not really getting anything much out of it either so um so i mean i i think we're i'm really proud to be from houston because of the community that we have especially the import community um, now obviously there's always drama anywhere in any community but um, I think um, as a community here in Houston, we come together when we need to. Yeah. And I was talking to the show organizers as I was rolling my car in, and they uh, I, I hadn't noticed this before, but they check your name, and they also check your vehicle. And what I, what I asked the organizer is like, hey, is this a big issue where guys show up in a car that's not theirs like yeah it happens more than you would think and it was a very touchy subject for for them so <laughs> yeah so um after the show um and speaking on this topic we we talked to elvis and one of the things that was brought up was like it's it's really annoying and something that you can't really do much about when the guy's actually there when the girl's actually there that they will put down on their registration that they have a certain set of wheels that they have real works yeah. real raise whatever it may be they show up and they're on a replica wheel company yeah i think what elvis was saying was like i mean well people complain a lot they say how did this car possibly get into the show or like that car that person doesn't deserve to be here and the thing you have to consider is that there's only so much you can do from a show perspective before the show to ensure that your quality is up there and I, I would think that Elvis and his staff do a damn fine job of vetting most of the cars that are there. They do. And when you have, I mean, you see people that catfish, quote unquote, um, the shows, and they say, hey, I got this car. It's going to look like this by this date. Mm -hmm. It's going to have this, this, and that. And it shows up, and it doesn't have any of those. And as a show, as a showrunner, like, what can you do? Like, you can't just say, well, that person paid already. They are expecting to be able to show. Do you turn them away or do you let them in? Because if you turn them away, that guy is going to, even if he's the one in the wrong, he's going to go on social media. He's going to say yada, yada, this, yada, yada, that. This show sucks. Don't go to this show. Mm -hmm. And really, it's just like people will, will take that as truth. And so shows are put in a lot of tough positions that I don't think people really appreciate the amount of work that goes into the selection and the judging. Mm. Um, so I think uh, people need to understand from a show perspective that it's just a lot of logistics and it's an expensive process as well. So, And I know that the organizers don't want to be caught up in any any sort of drama. They just don't have the time or, or the patience for it. So to avoid a confrontational situation, they're just going to go ahead and let the car in because the last thing you need is to have an argument at the gate holding the entire line up then what do you do like you're going to have the car back out with all right. of these other cars in line waiting you're just going to have to let them in they're they're really out of options at that point yeah but they do they do a, for the most part all the time they do a really good job of getting good quality cars and i know elvis prides himself on the cars that he selects 
and he is a very big promoter of authenticity and um, all the cars he selects he he personally looks at at some point and he approves of them so if you are just in the show even if you don't win an award if you're just in the show you should consider that an honor because basically you've been selected out of I don't know a couple hundred yeah. to thousands of cars that have applied so yeah and in some ways I think he he's aware that he has an obligation to the spectators more so than the drivers because they're coming they're paying their hard-earned money to go into the show and see quality cars mm-hmm. like no one wants to come and spend 25 30 40 dollars whatever it may be and see cars that they could see anywhere else on, on an average day. Nothing special, dirty cars, cars with poor execution. You want to see, you pay to see something mm-hmm. excellent. And uh, I wasn't aware of just how uh, how many cars get rejected when it comes to um, applications for shows in Japan. Oh yeah, he insane. was, I don't remember the exact numbers. Then he but... said um, 4,000 applicants for one of the shows, uh, I think it was for Odaiba, and he can only select so many. I think um, it was 900 in 2016, and it's going to be over a thousand potentially this year. So yeah, he has so maybe to, a quarter of them are selected. Yeah, a quarter of them. So that yeah, means he's rejecting selective. rejecting 3,000 people. And from what he tells least. me, like he's rejecting good quality cars. Oh, yeah. He has to choose between which one is better, and I mean they're both good, but which one's better. And that's like as a showrunner, that's gotta suck. If mm-hmm. you got if if you got that good of a pool to choose from, I mean, that's that's like that's almost like judging before you. <laughs> of course, a yeah, show. It definitely is. Yeah. I think people have to be made aware of the of the tough decision that these um, that these organizers have. Not just not just with Stance Nation, uh, with Weekfest as well. People always wonder like, what does it take to get into Weekfest, which is known as like one of the most prestigious shows around. Like, you have to come at it from their mindset like they have to have mm-hmm. not just high quality builds but a diverse show with multiple multiple mm-hmm. platforms and i think uh, the most interesting thing that i heard about that i guess this is a more more recent thing is that the judges are now using social media a lot mm-hmm. and um if you have if you've been to a show recently you'll notice that they ask for your social media account and there's several reasons for that so they can study up on your car prior Mm -hmm. to the show um so uh, because a lot of people complain that oh the judges doesn't know my car that well if he knew my car then he would know what's been done and Mm -hmm. he would give me that award so to kind of combat that and to put owners at ease they're asking for social media accounts so they can look follow your build especially if you're not a known quantity Uh, if you're just some lone wolf that doesn't really go to shows and you suddenly show up Mm -hmm. And they go on your social media account and they can look through your stuff and see your build process, what you've done, the amount of work that's gone into it. Um, so they, the judges are very, very well-versed in their topics. Um, and a lot of them are actually like pretty much experts at what they're, what they're do- doing, at least at the major shows like Stance Nation and Weekfest. Um, they don't the ones that aren't so much point based because there are definitely yes. shows that are point point based. I actually believe I don't really like the point based system because I don't think it accurately represents um, the quality of the car build. Mm-hmm. And I'm very glad that Stance Nation and Weekfest have both adopted this non point based system. Um, now, of course, every judging is going to be subjective, um, 
and of course you can always argue there would be a bias but i can guarantee that these weak fest judges and these stance nation judges are very level-headed and yes they have their own styling bias but they are um, capable of selecting a good quality car based on just the merits of the car and not anything about the owner mm -hmm. or anything about their own prides and prejudices and stuff like that so but i think regardless of the judging there there always seems to be controversy and even even the staff admits it like when they handed out the uh best static fitment and best bag fitment mm -hmm. awards like they always say there's controversy with it because it is is it is subjective in a lot of ways what are you gonna what are you gonna do about it, it mm -hmm. you're not gonna please every single judge and they might have completely different backgrounds and opinions on what exactly they consider the best in some aspects. Right. And yeah, yeah, you have to consider like, um, and sometimes it's like you have to consider whether you can qualify for that category because some people are like, uh, for example, um, why is my VIP styled Accord not getting a VIP award? Well, the technicality behind that is that your car technically isn't a VIP car because of the platform, mm -hmm. in which case you would qualify for maybe another award like a VIP style award and stuff like that. So it does come down to understanding what the judge is looking for, what qualifies you for that category, and whether you actually fulfilled the qualifications that you needed for that category. So Definitely, but I, I think you'll see with every with every show more so than anything you'll find searching on instagram someone's going to go out there and complain for yeah, one it's kind reason of inevitable. yeah one reason or another and what we came to find out from speaking uh, to elvis is that there's always going to be another side to the story no matter how long one person's facebook post mm -hmm. is or instagram post no matter how many followers they may have like they're going to put things in a perspective that may make them look a whole lot better than any of the organizers or any specific individual. There's definitely always a second side to the story, whether it comes to judging, whether it comes to getting in a venue or being, being a vendor. Um, and there was even a case of something like that here, um, here in the Houston Subaru community. Someone went up on a Facebook group and said that this, this dealership is trash. I don't trust them. They're, their salesmen are scum, the manager is scum. And it made it seem like this this person had been legitimately wrong, sort of like how we talked to Elvis about someone else feeling that they were legitimately wronged at one of his shows. But um, I don't know what happened. They made it seem like the salesman went um, behind his back, a vehicle was sold that he wanted to uh, that he wanted to buy. And so I asked my friend who works at the dealership, like, what's what's going on? This guy's blasting you on social media, saying really negative things about your manager, about your sales staff, which he's a part of. What's the whole story? Like, it, it's just really, it's going awful on, uh, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. He says, well, this guy did not have good enough credit to go ahead and buy a new WRX. So he said, can you guys hold it for me? Let me get a co-signer. Let me get someone to help me get mm -hmm. this car. Okay, they, uh, they held the car. And normally it's not a it's not a common thing that dealerships do because they want to get that inventory sold and they held it for longer than the the average like four or five days that they normally wait because the guy said I promised when to come in, it ended up being longer than the four or five days and if a if a car is not being moved 
that dealership is getting taxed for that inventory. Yeah. Like they have a responsibility to sell at, it. At a certain point, they're they're going to have finance charges that kick in because these dealerships mm-hmm. they don't they don't buy these cars outright. They basically what they call floor plan them, and essentially it's like they have a certain amount of time of no finance charge, and then after that time, finance charging will happen on their inventory. That's why you see cars that have been sitting there for like a month or so, why they start getting sold off really quickly because mm-hmm. that that's just sitting there spending money basically for the dealership. Yeah, and if uh, if I hadn't talked to my friend who worked at the dealership, I wouldn't have known this, people wouldn't have known this, and he had to go online and defend the dealership staff and say like, look, we don't hold these cars for longer than expected. It's not our fault, we have nothing against you, but you can't afford the car. That's that's what's going on. You can't afford the car. You don't have the credit for the car. Mm-hmm. We have to sell it to someone that has the money now, and they did. But you go on social media, you go on Facebook, and all you see is this guy's opinion until someone else speaks yeah. up. So. And kind of to bring it back around to the show, um, what Elvis was, one of the things I was just saying is like, there's this huge mob mentality type of thing where no one really likes to fact check anymore, it seems like. It's like um, one person says something and then people will just take it for a fact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's why he doesn't respond to a lot of things because it's not gonna, it doesn't help him, it doesn't help the person, nope. it doesn't help anyone to respond to that. It's just creating drama that shouldn't be. And, you know, Elvis has a reputation to uphold. Uh, he runs a page, a very reputable mm-hmm. page. He has a brand to uphold. He has a brand there, to uphold. Yeah. And he's, he prides himself with, the quality of work that he puts out and he does put out good quality Mm -hmm. so there's no reason for him to go out of his way to address these concerns that people have that are unfounded now if you have a legitimate concern you know you take that to him privately and you try to work it out with him privately and i'm sure he'll work with you but you know people that go on and say let's put him on blast Mm -hmm. it's not just shows but Mm -hmm. like let's put him on blast and they haven't even tried to privately you know, take it into their own hands and stuff like that and talk to the actual business or show or whatever beforehand to try to sort that out. Definitely so. so. No. Back to the show. One thing that I liked, if you were there, um, shout out to DJ Ronalds. He was there as a judge for the Subaru class, but he was putting on a good show. Uh, one thing I guess you don't really realize is like, you'll go to a show They'll have a DJ, it sounds good, but man, the audio is turned up to the max and you cannot hear a damn thing that you like that anyone is saying. It's loud, it's annoying, but the volume of the audio was good. I oh, like yes. that they had it balanced. That was a big difference, yeah. Yeah, you didn't have to shout or anything like that. So the staff and DJ Ronalds definitely put on a, uh, a good audio setup. Yeah. Uh, what I liked about the show is it was all about the cars. Yeah. Yeah. Like some other shows, you go around, there's girls in bikinis walking mm-hmm. around, and it's like, is this about that? Or, God forbid, <laughs> those freaking drones, <laughs> drone racing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. I, I won't name names, but there's a show that is infamous for their choice of using half of the venue as a drone race. Um, but yeah, uh, Elvis put on a really great show, and the cars that won uh, awards were very very top-notch cars and i was very impressed with the quality that came out so a lot of uh a lot of team i guess team category cars basically um swept the judging classes so your team on this projects had some of the top cars there what were the awards you guys won eight awards um all first place awards which we were 
very surprised by. Um, There's some a lot of people in our group that didn't expect awards, and mm-hmm. I think we got first Lexus, first Infinity, first Nissan, first Toyota, first Ford, um, first VIP. Um, I can't really think of everything. And I know Thomas Panay, who's in our crew, got a recognition award mm-hmm. um, for his service to Stance Nation. Yeah, five years of Stance Nation. He does so much work for them. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit uh, from people that he judges so many cars. Mm-hmm. And he is the most level-headed judge I know. Um, and he he will talk with you and help you understand why he made the decision he did and what you can do to better your car. And what maybe you shouldn't have to worry about so much because he, the biggest thing he told me too much is like those tiny flaws because I'm such a perfectionist, you know, don't look too much into those because you're going to hate your car. But, you know, the big things like you could polish this to make that look better so it doesn't look old or whatever. Like you can just have a genuine conversation with him about your car and he'll help you, you know. so Definitely. And what I want to do is talk about some of the, the award winners if, if people are interested uh, one of my one of my favorites, just because um, he's such a, a good personality, a great guy, Isai, um, who's a ghetto royalty on Instagram. He won second place best fitment, and uh, someone like him, he uh, he knows like he has a wheel setup. He's got bags, nothing too crazy done on his car, but he loves like he just loves doing it like he loves making this thing. He, he has less having he fun. has like a different set of wheels like every other month yep. it seems yep <laughs> he doesn't care he doesn't care what people he say he likes fitting wheels i don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what it mm-hmm. is about it but he he loves doing that whereas i'm like mm-hmm. oh i'm just one set of wheels for through the rest every of my through life. every version of wheels like meaty shiny stretch no stretch like like bbs wheels the whole works but he, he loves doing that. He's got one of the best personalities of people I know, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, uh, William Tran, Freeway, Silly Willie. I think I don't know. I don't S2000, right? S2000. Yeah. He's a Honda S2000. Second place Honda. The team Definitely. Apocalypse, I team think. Team Apocalypse. Yeah. Really, really great set of cars. Team Apocalypse had a I lot of Honda, Honda winners. The C28s on that car mm-hmm. fit the color of the car Fantastic. Perfectly. And he has a brand new Voltex uh, wing. Car Shop Glow, right? Yeah, Car Shop Glow tail lights. Yep. That just look amazing on an S2000, and I think, uh, like the simple sort of like long C style is a is one of their great, one of the best designs I think out there. What award did he get? I think second place Honda. Oh yeah, uh, first place Honda I think went to um, JT, which mm-hmm. has a EG hatch, mm-hmm. and that thing is just gorgeous. Beautiful gray color. It's, I mean, the the paint is kept up. Really the entire well. thing is gutted, and the inside mm-hmm. of the car is painted, and mm-hmm. he has. All authentic parts. He's amazing quality and he tracks it. Not only that, he tracks it. Yes, he does. And it is top notch. He's from Team Five Star. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know him, he's JT's Shade Tree, I think, on uh, Instagram. Definitely worth looking into. That well car deserved. Is gorgeous. Well deserved. Gorgeous. One of the reasons why. And very period correct too. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, Honda category is always tough in Houston because we have some of the best and probably one of the best being Tom Sick. And his Honda mm-hmm. S2000, like that thing is Which known. Which you did bring out to the show too, yeah. Yeah, it was there at the show. Everybody knows it. Um, best of show winner multiple times across different states and different shows. Yeah. So I mean, that Honda competition is fierce. Yeah. Tom didn't compete because uh, mm-hmm. he's actually a judge in the show. So, but he brought his car out just to showcase it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a lot of other 
Uh, there's a lot of cars that actually surprised me, even cars that didn't win awards, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what One of the things I was particularly impressed by was some of the quality interiors that I saw at the show. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. I think there, in the front there was a Mustang, and I think a, I can't remember if it's a WRX or SDI, that has very nice custom interior work and stitching. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some really creative headliners. Um, I think the the car that won uh, Best Kia, or not Kia, no, KDM. KDM, of course. That one, that car yeah. is amazing. I Black think, Santa yep. on Instagram. <laughs> I know him very well because we talk at every show. Uh, I don't like they're... There has not been a Kia like that anywhere that I've I, seen. I, I don't think there's a there's a KDM car in Houston mm-hmm. or even Texas. I think that can compete at the level that he is, because he just has he has big brakes. Mm-hmm. He's got wheels. He's got an amazing trunk setup that's amazing. incredibly. Creative. I would say top three in Houston easily might it's, be my favorite it's not about air no nope. it's all just a spare wheel in there uh-huh. but he did a fantastic mm-hmm. job an entire spare, spare wheel in the trunk yeah. of your car just for a trunk setup and the interior was was just as good too mm-hmm. and he has I know he has a custom steering wheel set up too in there mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I was I'm always I always like seeing that car um every time at every show he did say he's thinking about getting something else too because I think he's taken that I think he believes he's taking that platform to as high as it's going to go, as, mm. as excellent as, it, as it's going to get. So you might be seeing more things from him in the future. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, the Lexus, the wide body Lexus, another car from Jose's shop, from Jose Auto Body in Dallas. Oh, Janelle? Or? No, the one with the metal fenders. Uh, I think he got second place Lexus. The one you said, so he got his bumper at two in the morning, the one that guy. Oh, no, that wasn't the Lexus. That was a, uh, oh, the M35. M35. His name is uh, John Lee, I believe. Yes, John Lee. I think his Instagram name is Versace something something, but I, I'd have to look it up. Yeah. That M35 uh, just came out of Jose's Auto Body, which I know you guys have at this point heard about this shop quite a bit. Um, he is well known for his metal fabrication. Um, uh, John Lee told me, he actually told me that uh, the, the car has actually been redone for a third time now because... He just isn't happy with the fender line, and he thinks he got it this time. And, like, he is so meticulous about that body line and stuff like that, and that, that color match, that color just pops at you. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, he had that issue of just before the show, you know, mm-hmm. I need my bumper, got it 2 a.m. the morning yeah. before, you know. So, but that car is, is very well done, and it's um, a VIP platform, too, which is, it's rare to see a true VIP platform done. And I believe that bumper actually isn't even for that car. It's a walled bumper, I believe, off a Mercedes, is what he was telling me. So, it's just crazy. Yeah. I do like the the wide variety that we see in Houston as far as, um, like, wheel choices, on certain vehicles i saw a jetta out there and i got to talk to i got to talk to this guy i think he won an award but he had bulk z40s like mine the black matte blue metallic on a metallic wrap jetta mm-hmm. i was like that's interesting i've never seen uh any volkswagen yeah with z40s i thought that was a great combination there's always people that are going to like push the creativity into something different um i can't really think of any uh well actually one of the cars i i liked the especially the engine bay of was the we had the, we had the mustang with the uh work oh, wheels the fox as well body. Yeah, yeah. yeah no i well, no, no, no. the fox body had ags I believe. Yeah, yeah but um one of the guys from my crew um his name is chris 
Um, he has a new generation Mustang. I, I don't, I'm not that familiar with the chassis codes on those, but it's a V6 uh, turbo one, and he has the collaboration Vossen and work wheels, mm -hmm. which I actually seen quite a bit in Houston now where people are putting JDM wheels on domestic cars, which previously I had not seen anywhere else but Japan. Definitely not. We saw that at Cars and Coffee as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that car, he had, he's been doing a lot of work to that car. And if you ever look at the interior, it's, there's a lot of great stitching work in there. His engine work has a lot of work to it. His brakes, you saw the brakes, mm -hmm. polished. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it's a domestic brand of some sort. So it's not a JDM brand, but um, I can't remember the brand off the top of my head. But those brakes are gorgeous. So he did a fantastic job with that build. Um, what I like uh, about that show, I was really lucky is that um, they got the judging done like before the middle of the show as far as them conferring together and deciding who was going to mm -hmm. be the winner and they actually started handing out awards before the show close time which is fantastic for anybody that's been there the entire day especially since i was there since eight o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and the show uh, the judging got done so it was almost 12 hours at the venue but uh, I'm really glad that they did that because you start to get you start to get frustrated. You, there's only so many times that you can walk around, say hi to your friends, look at the cars and things like that. And I know one thing that isn't really uh, brought up is like when people have their significant others at shows and how uh -huh. much they tolerate from uh, from their boyfriends, from their husbands, whenever they go to these things. Because admittedly, like your significant other isn't always going to enjoy cars the same way that you you do mm -hmm. is even even if they have something that's modified like you i think we take it to another level with with this passion of ours and they just kind of manage to to tolerate yeah, and you see different different kinds of spouses that Definitely. show up to like there's the one that just despises being there at all costs, mm -hmm. hates everything about mm -hmm. cars. On on the phone more than anything else. On the phone, you know, when can we leave? I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. I'm hangry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hang, hanger is a very real thing Definitely. at car shows. It's very real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that they actually have um, a lot of vendors there giving out food. Uh yeah, they uh, significant others definitely put up with a lot for, yeah, for the. Yeah, we don't give hobby. them enough credit. Um, no, so so really shout out to all of the uh, significant others that go there, especially the ones that help you clean your car. Oh yeah, um, yeah, because like uh, Janelle's wife came and she supported him the whole day. She mm -hmm. brought, she even drove the um, the SUV for him to carry tools and anything else that he yeah. would need. Even brought it, took care of the daughter, her his daughter the whole day. Um, so. Definitely a shout out to anyone that, uh, any girlfriend that, or, or boyfriend, mm -hmm. depending on. Yeah, depending on if it goes during the month. Yeah. Um, any, anyone that comes and supports their spouse, I think it's, it's a very big deal. And I know anyone that has a spouse that supports them is, uh, always feels blessed every right. time that happens. So one, one thing that I was, it was really weird seeing there that I hadn't talked to you about was like stickers that we see on cars and also being sold at venues. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be super graphic, vulgar, and... Especially you, with the Tashas. Yeah, the you know what I mean? And I, I, I have no problem if that's, your, if that's your thing, but it's a little bit weird when some of that is being sold and there are kids at the venue and... 
we see wild stuff more so than anything in, in Texas. It seems like it's always showing up on the internet, just the crazy stuff that people put on their cars and things like that. I think, I think it's almost like a one-upmanship type of thing. It's like, yeah. how, how can I go crazier with this sticker? Because before, I mean, it used to be like anything anime was just weird and out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, part of it is also like, yeah, I like anime, I'll put this on. But some of them was like, well, let's push the envelope. It's like, yeah. So. Yeah. And I guess on and it a, got out of hand. <laughs> in in one aspect, the uh, the business is there to sell products. On the other, the other side of it, you're just like, nah, I really don't want to kind of be lumped in with all of this. this it's gotta be embarrassing driving you know, with those things around sometimes. It is, and if people see that, that I don't want, I don't want it to be associated with like you're a ricer or like no, no, you're no, just no. like those other people that have Definitely those not. ridiculous, no. ridiculous things. So. I hope it doesn't speak to the entire yeah. community or people think that it speaks to the entire community when you see some like the really more vulgar stuff that's yeah. out there. Um, and, and to be clear, Atashas don't aren't necessarily related to that because yeah. there are some fantastic Atashas. Like um, there was a guy, his that car doesn't exist anymore, but there was a Civic um, FA5, I think, that, w- that had a really nice Clannad uh, livery, not livery, uh, Atasha on it and that car was built really well so there, there can be tasteful Atashas um, so uh, not to associate the Atasha culture with that so yeah, yeah but I think the whole uh, this whole show yesterday was really put together well it ended at a great time and I really appreciate the staff um, sticking around and uh, talking with us about just the, the issues that they encounter in, in organizing the show, a lot of the stuff that you're not really aware of, especially if you're if you're new to being at a car show, uh, unaware of just how um, how things go. Sometimes people leave really really disappointed and angry, and then they swear off shows completely, or they just. I feel like people were really really satisfied with the show. Definitely. And like you know, I, I feel like every time these shows happen and they finish, I feel like the community has been brought closer together. And especially I noticed like when, you know, uh, Thomas Benign on his way home, he had a Eiler pulley mishap. Um, and he posted on Facebook basically pretty much like saying, hey, I'm stuck here. Mm-hmm. But you saw the response that people had. Everyone was like, hey, how can I help? Do you need a trailer? I can help you bring it back to Austin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that no matter who it is, um, if there's someone out there that's into cars and someone has a problem, people go out there out of their way to help. So. I think that's the the message that I would really want to spread across um, with this episode with the podcast in general is increasing that sense of community and spreading that to people that normally wouldn't be um, doing this kind of thing. Like, your take your friend, your significant other if they haven't been to it to a show, let them experience it and see if they like it. I'd like this this community to grow some more. And even for the guys doing it now, go to something that you're not so familiar with. Like you and I went to a lowrider mm-hmm. show. And I'm gonna we go to the- to a lowrider show. Yeah. Last, uh, I mean, I went to Lone Star Throwdown, mm-hmm. which is a truck show. Mm-hmm. Um, go to, um, like you're going to Dub Show mm-hmm. next week. Yeah. Um, so it's like, try to diversify what you look at because the more you diversify, the more you learn. And you would learn new things, you know. You might oh, get learn. inspired. Yeah, you get inspired. And even like, you know, you might be a stance guy that only cares about form and no function. But you might go to one of these shows and then suddenly learn about the mechanical side of an engine and mm-hmm. suddenly be inspired to do a street build or 
a power build or something like that. So or meet new people that can help you with your own build, meet new shops that you would have never heard of unless you went to that show. Yeah. yeah. So I think we can all take that take this task of um, encouraging our friends, our family, whoever else that we know to to check out these these shows and help the community grow and help sustain it for the long haul. Yeah, so well hopefully the rest the rest of the shows will go much more smoothly for prep wise. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So So yeah, until the next show guys.